Hello Spectrumites and other people. My name is Forrest and welcome to the Pancake King, Life and Marriage on the Spectrum. The podcast for you to learn about the autism spectrum, learn what it's like for someone like me to live on the spectrum, and what marriage is like between two people on the spectrum. One of my all-time favorite films is The Matrix. It's a story with the classic hero's journey, where we see a man go from an oblivious state of mind to being awakened to the evil that controls the only world he knew. Throughout the film, he gains the skills, the knowledge, and the wisdom to face the enemy that he is destined to face, and in the end, destroys that evil. Well, at least until the sequels. Eighteen years after the third and supposed to be final film in the series, a fourth one came out, and I was probably one of the only people in the world who was really, really excited for a new Matrix movie. I hated it. The expectations I had set for it were not met, not even in the slightest. I was completely thrown off and confused by just the first 20 minutes, and within that 20 minutes, I had a sinking feeling that the rest of the film was going to suck, and that feeling stuck with me all the way to the end. I came away from it bummed out, frustrated, and disappointed. Then, I tried the movie again, because, you know, I love to punish myself for some reason. But, I came to a different conclusion. While still far from a perfect film, I decided that the first 20 minutes was... brilliant. Now, before you leave, because you haven't heard the word autism yet, bear with me, I'm getting there. This episode isn't an analysis of a Matrix movie, nor is it even really an analysis of the scene that I'm about to describe. At the beginning of this film, we find Neo, back in a new Matrix, with his mind under its influence. He believes that his memories of the first three films are actually just ideas that he had to create his own video game series, which is exactly what the new Matrix wanted for him, so that he's not tipped off about who he used to be, and that the world he exists in is not real. Still, he sees a therapist to talk to him about the supposed illusions he's been having, and struggles with figuring out the difference between reality and fantasy. The world around him just feels off, and he can't put his finger on why. He feels lonely, stays quiet around his co-workers, and wrestles with the inner turmoil that's telling him something isn't right. The only other person that seems to be remotely on the same page as him is Trinity, his lover from the original trilogy and also someone who has been placed in the new Matrix without all of her memories intact. Now the company Neo works for is expected, by Warner Brothers, in a funny meta way, to create a fourth Matrix game to cash in on the originals, and Neo has no interest in developing it. He's pulled into the process with his co-workers, but he looks puzzled and aloof the entire time. We never see him contribute any ideas in the writer's room while everyone else eagerly discusses their own. Not only that, but he looks dazed and aloof everywhere, when he's at the gym, when he's in bed, when he's among other people who are staring at their devices. The montage goes on for a good three minutes, showing us that Neo is in a self-aware state where nothing feels right, and sometimes it really tortures him and depresses him. I don't think I'm being dramatic when I say that I really relate to Neo when I watch that scene. I spend a lot of my days drifting from one place to another, and even when I'm out with friends, I'll feel like I'm a world away, listening to my friends talk to the best of my ability, but not really contributing a whole lot to the conversations. When I'm at work, I don't talk to very many people, and usually prefer to stay withdrawn in my own space. Seeing and observing the way other people interact, and even how they joke, 
befuddles me. I'm like the Watcher from the animated Marvel's What If series. I feel like I'm more looking into another world from the safety of my own, rather than being an active participant inside it. My daydreaming is very vivid, usually imagining hypothetical scenarios, brainstorming book ideas, or just simply thinking about the Lord of the Rings. I see things or hear things that I disagree with, but keep my mouth shut and think about it later. The older I've gotten, the more of a skeptic I've become, to the point where my own skepticism feels involuntary. It'd be easy to say that I should just lighten up, loosen my hold on my own mind once in a while. Well, like a lot of things when it comes to the life of a Spectrumite, that's easier said than done. I've found comments by people who talked about that scene in The Matrix 4, and a lot of them say that they relate to Neo because it reminds them a lot of how their depression operates. They're physically in the room, but mentally they're elsewhere, or trying to engage but have no desire to be there. They have very little, if anything, to say, and if they do have something they want to say, they struggle to say it. As someone on the autism spectrum, but also someone who has a history of dealing with depression, this is also relatable to me. The only thing I would say is different with me is that I often have a lot to say. I just don't have the motivation to say it or don't know the best way to say it. My words usually come out a lot better in writing or when I'm by myself. To try saying the same things to another person feels intimidating, and it usually comes out sounding more incoherent, jumbled, and disorganized than it does in my head or on paper. I'm writing a novel right now, and I still struggle to explain what the book is about when people ask. My answer from now on should be, just read the book when it's out and you'll find out. The Matrix Resurrections is, again, not a perfect film. It barely even holds itself above the second film Reloaded, and, dare I say it, I don't think it's as good as Revolutions. But even films that I initially believed were disappointing can fascinate me, even if it's just through one aspect. A scene can stand out to me and connect with me in some way, and to Matrix 4's credit, it achieved that. It's not autistic representation, but it shows a lot of what it can look like for a person to feel divorced from the world around him while also confused about it without simply telling the audience, which is also a sign of good directing and editing. I believe a lot of autistic people can relate to this, and I've known a number of autistic people who could relate to this too. To cap this off, I'd love to hear from you about a scene in a film or TV show that jumped out at you and made you relate to what was going on on screen in ways that others might not immediately think about. You can share this by emailing me at vansotmedia at gmail.com or post a comment on the post for this episode at thepancakeking.substack.com and your responses may come up in a future episode. See you all next week. Uh-huh.